Are you a Christian who wants to go deeper into the roots of your faith? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Grafted, Jewish Roots of Christianity. This is a podcast for Christians who want to understand the Jewishness of Jesus and his word. I'm your host, Stephanie Pavlantos. I'm a bit of a Bible nerd. I'm also an author and a Bible teacher. In this podcast, we will stretch and maybe even challenge you to look at Scripture from a Hebraic point of view. We want to help you understand Scripture through the lens of the Hebrew language, culture, and history. Thank you for joining us. Today we have uh, Lauren Cruz, and Lauren is an author, a teacher, and a social media coach for new authors. She has her Master's of Divinity from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And I got to know Lauren through Bible study. Um, One of the books she's written is a Bible study called Strength of a Woman, Why You Are Proverbs 31. She does a lot of cool things. And when we read Proverbs 31, sometimes the way we've been led to believe what it means is not necessarily when you start looking at the Hebrew roots and the Hebrew alphabet, you see a whole different story. And I wanted her to talk a little bit about that today. So thanks for being here, Lauren. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you. This is exciting. Yes, it's good. Lauren and I can, we can talk. <laughs> so, um, we have been at conferences together where we sat at a table and just started talking and we had the whole table just like, you know, they're their eyes are just kind of glossing over like, (laughs) where are they going with conversation? And so we have fun when we get together and talk about Bible stuff. We're both (laughs) Bible nerds. So we love scripture and we love the Jewishness of scripture. And so one of the things I was thinking about with Lauren and with our conversations um, in starting with the alphabet, because Hebrews are quite a bit different than our language. And can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. So Hebrew is a pictographic uh, language, which is if you're familiar with Chinese or even hieroglyphics, there are images that are attached to the letters. The letters are more than just a sound. Um, They have an idea or a figurative image or a, a reference that are attached to each letter. But, you know, Hebrew is a very, very figurative language and a lot of times even words are spelled exactly the same and just the way you pronounce it would give you a different word. So those images that are attached to the alphabet um, show up and kind of influence, you know, we have prefixes and suffixes and word roots that change meanings or influence the meaning of a language or our, our words. Um, and Hebrew has the same, you know, they have prefixes and suffixes, but they also have that image behind the letter that, you know, just shows up a little bit in some of the words. Yes, it's pretty cool, actually. And it is. and Lauren is a teacher, school teacher as well. I think you teach uh, or you used to. This... English. <laughs> so she knows yeah. all about grammar and everything. <laughs> But I think in the Hebrew, since it has the pictorial part, it also has what we think of as the alphabet. So they definitely have letters, but the letters don't just have A, like A is a letter. It's a single letter, but their, their alphabet actually has words that make up the letter. Right. Like the letter bait is also the word house in Hebrew or yud. The, the letter yud is also the word hand 
in Hebrew. So it's uh, very multi-layered. <laughs> they have a lot. And they also each each letter is the number. Like we say one, two, three. They say Aleph Bet Gimel. You know, it's the same. It's that they also have numeric values. You know, English has four hundred thousand. I mean, I don't even remember how many words we have in English. And Hebrew has like a fraction of that. So each letter word nuance of it, you know, has multiple layers depending on how it's used. That's right. And then you have the roots, like you mentioned a little bit, because even like the word in our language, amen and faithful, well, they have the same root word. Right. And so there are three letters and the roots are made up of three letters. It's basically a letter, a period, a letter, a period and letter. Right. And so it looks so different. And then if, and actually I even read that in the Hebrew newspaper, I shouldn't say Hebrew, but the, um, in Jerusalem or in Israel, if you read the newspaper, they, it's just all in their consonants. And so there's no Mm -hmm. No vowels vowels. in their, in their words. And so where, you know, when, if you start to learn Hebrew, they kind of give you the vowel so you can start understanding the differences Mm But they have to know the context mm-hmm. of what they're reading to know which words to understand to it. Exactly. Exactly. And that translates even into the Bible. Exactly. My, um, you know, you mentioned my book and I, I'll just use that as a really great example because Hebrew is such a verbal language. Like if you read something and you don't know the context, then like, what word am I using here? Right. So they're, they're very much speaking their language. That's why little boys and little girls, when they're bar mitzvahed, it's they're speaking Torah. They have to memorize and speaking to speak Torah and you know, things weren't written down. And so Jesus spoke in parables and it, you know, it was, it was spoken. So what they do is they use different nuances to help them memorize things. They use acrostic poems. And that's where, you know, the first letter of the alphabet or a word or something is used to help them memorize. You know, we do the same thing, you know, um, frog, you know, the Christian community uses the word frog, fully rely on God, you know, and it helps us remember that. So they do that too. They use chiastic poems all over the Bible. And that's where, you know, one top verse A matches verse X, and they just move on down until you get to the middle verse. And that's your main idea, you know. Um, So, you know, as an English teacher, I love it because I can see all the figurative language and I see all the structure of things. And it's such an amazing language. Um, The depth of it and the layers of it are just incredible. I mean, I can Mm -hmm. very much admire that you know, that the acrostics and the letters, those images of the letters show up to influence it. Like the word father, you know, we'll use the word father. It's spelled Aleph, Bet, Ab, or Abba. And Aleph is um, an ox. It has the image of an ox. And actually some of the letters, when you look at them, you, you kind of see it. You're like, oh yeah, that, that kind of looks like that image. Um, and so Aleph is uh, ox, but think about an oxen. It's, they are strong animals of strength. They're service animals that they're used for the sacrifice. So all of that imagery is packed in, you know, behind, you know, just look at Aleph. You, you look at Aleph and you, your brain immediately goes to all of, all of it that's, you know, packed into that letter. And then 
it's a b or aleph bait and so bait is a house um, a home it often represents the heart you know if you think of heart of the home and so ab or abba is not just aleph bait it's the strength of the home and so when you think of your father you know the father should be the strength of the home and so you've you've just got layers of um yeah, meaning behind it, you know, it's, he's not just my father, he's the strength of my home or the strength of my heart, even if you want to play with that, if I'm, if I'm speaking of, you know, God, the father. So all of that um, is used in their, their words, their languages, their structures, their, um, the, the writing, the way things are written, uh, and the way things are memorized. That's great. Because also, when I think of this, what you just said, with the, with the father, um, you have then the whole numerical system that plays into it, which we hadn't even right. mentioned yet, but right. then you have all of is the number one and, right. mm-hmm. but it has, it's made of three parts. So mm-hmm. there's three lines in this letter that don't touch. And right. so it's like three, but it's number is one. So we right. often use it for, or it's used to represent God, to represent God, right? The Trinity of God, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have bet number two, and then you have mm-hmm. the summation of that is three, and three is kind of like a God number. Well, you think of two a marriage, you know, because you've you've got a one and two, and two is the first number that can be divided and everything. But then you know you've got a husband and a wife, and God the Father. You know, when we think of the triangle that's a home, you know, whether you have children or not, that's your home. And then, you know, you think of the Trinity, God, you know, God, the father, God, the son, the Holy mm-hmm. spirit. So um, it's, there's just cool stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. And they call it God's language. I mean, they, yeah. they totally believe, um, and I'm not saying just them, but there are other scholars who believe that God gave them this language because mm-hmm. of the representation and mm-hmm. within it that it was him and that right. everything points back. Um, even I was, I was sharing with somebody like in Matthew um, one, it goes through the genealogy and we tend to hate genealogies, but they're very, very Hebrew thing. They are. So you can kind of recognize, you know, that somebody who is very Jewish wrote that book when they have a genealogy in it right and so also even when you talk about paul paul always gives his genealogy he talks about how he's a pharisee but how he's from the tribe of benjamin it was very important for them to know their genealogy and their lineage of where they came and um and so in matthew when it talks about the son of that Jesus is the son of David and son of Abraham. And then it goes on about the 14 generations from here to here and 14 generations. And, and then the number 14 mm-hmm. goes back to the Messiah. And, and then the number 14 is also the number mm-hmm. of David's name. So then you get into the whole thing, the number of your name. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if you didn't believe it with the first layer, just go a little deeper and go to the next layer. And it is. And I, I like to think of it, you know, I'm not saying the Bible is divine, right? I'm not saying, you know, that. However, I am saying if Jesus is the word, right? And the scripture is the word of God and creation is made with the breath and the word of God, then, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of 
of salvation to those who believe, you know, there's something to that. You know, if it's God's language, then those words and those, the way it's put together and there's, there's just so many tanglements in there of how it relates. I think the Bible has the power of God, you know, I mean, it is a, it is a, it is a divine power that is inserted into this holy, holy language. And, you know, when you study it, you feel almost like you're in in the presence of God, you know, you're just studying these languages. And when you begin to see these references and, and the patterns in the Bible, you know, they're not just stories, every, every Old Testament story and, 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 everything in the Bible just is so connected. You're talking about Benjamin and, and that tribe and how it relates even back to Joseph, right. And Esther, and, you know, they all combine and relate to each other. And when you, when you know those things and when you begin to recognize, you know, I'll read verses now. That's totally good. You know, that is, that is Jesus has described as this verse and in this letter, and it just gives you a flavor that's unprecedented. So I love it. I love it. And I can't read enough about it. And in and, and not just extracurricular books, but just reading the Bible and tracking things. You're like, wow, God, <laughs> it's kind of amazing how it relates. It is. And then and, and I think that just shows it that is. the word is living. It is. It's yes, very because so. there's so much to learn and there's so much yeah. depth to it. And like you said, layer after layer. And, and a lot of times yeah. as believers, we just scratch the first layer. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. And we don't move on. And yeah, there's so many cool things. And I think of even the word manna, you know, in mm-hmm. John um, six, I believe, or seven, but I can never remember once I'm actually um, on air and talking about these things. <laughs> I can't remember these exact verses, but, but um Jesus is talking about being the bread of life. And, and he right. says, he who came down from heaven to give life. But if you look at the word manna, it's spelled with just two letters. And the, for us, it'd be the letter M and the letter N and the meme and the noon. And so meme means comes down from heaven. And it, it's actually kind of like mm-hmm. the water or the dew that would sit on the ground that surrounded the earth. Mm-hmm. Right. And then noon means life or it, and it, it has the picture of a fish. And so right. here exactly. he's talking about being the one who comes down from heaven to give life. And that's the very thing that manna comes together to spell. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like that throughout the Bible I all mean, over. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the cool thing about God you know, he meets you where you are. So if you are that person that you just, you know, I just want to read my Bible. I'm I'm not into the linguistics of things and you know, there's something for you. You will, you will definitely be met and you will be blessed and you will receive what you need. But if you're a nerd like me, <laughs> you can, you know, and, and the deeper I go, the more I realize, boy, there's, I don't know anything and you can just keep going. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, he meets you where you, where you are and he's got a little gift for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the whole, like we said, even the numerical system, yeah. because if you have words that have the same numerical value, right? then there's a connection between those words. Okay. So here's a great example of that. Um, Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? 
And so he's, we've got it. We've got a little boy with um, five fish and two loaves of bread. Okay. Five is the number for grace. And, you know, so you've got symbolism packed into that. Great story, regardless. It's an incredible miracle. You know, 12 baskets were picked up. There's numbers there and everything. But just to see, you know, five, the number of grace. So it's just, it's fun. It's Mm -hmm. It kind of gets fun after a while. You start looking for things and, you know, you're like, oh, that's a little nugget. Isn't that interesting? Right. And and going back to your book, when you talk about the strength of a woman, why does it have that name? So why don't you explain a little bit about Proverbs? (laughs) Because why did you call that? Yeah, Proverbs 31 um, is huge in the Christian circles. Um, I'll tell you a little how the Jews look at it too in a second. But, you know, every Christian woman is taught to be the Proverbs 31 woman. You know, she's a great example. And the verse in in our language, language, English begins, who can find a virtuous woman or who can find a woman of excellence? She's more worthy than rubies. Um, except it doesn't, it doesn't say that, um, in Hebrew, it says, um, a woman of strength that starts with the word woman, Aisha and Chayil is the, is the word that we often translate as excellent or virtuous. Well, it's the Hebrew word for strength or strong. And it's, it's also the Hebrew word that's used for like David's mighty men. That word mighty is hail. It's strong. So David's strong men. So if you think about it, um, the Bible was translated at King James's time. You know, it was taken from Latin and put into English. And uh, although I, I do believe in the translations of things, I do believe they're also influenced by the culture. And um, at the time of King James, you couldn't have a lot of strong women. You know, we needed some, we needed excellent and virtuous women, not strong women. And so that word was tweaked, I think, or accepted as more virtuous, you know, or valor, a woman of valor, which, uh, you know, even that, you don't, you don't really recognize it, but it, but she's called a strength of a woman. And if this is a passage that is given to um, a son, mom is saying, look, son, you know, you need to go find a good wife because you're about to get married, you're going to be yoked together in marriage. Mm -hmm. And this is the kind of woman I would pick for you. Number one, she's strong, but also think about it. Um, That verse begins with the letter Aleph, which is an ox. They're strong, right? So strong woman, but also Mm -hmm. you're about to be yoked in marriage. And so, you know, this is the, the, the way you need to remember this son is a look for Aleph. Look for a woman of strength because you're going to be yoked to her. You two need to make a team because you're going to have to work together and you're going to need a woman of strength to back you. So it's, it's very different. Mm. It's very different um, than how we're perceiving it. That's right. Whoever wrote the particular book that we're reading, it matters because of the word choice that they would have made for certain words. I have a theory. <laughs> I do. I do think it was um, Solomon and think about it. The only other woman or the only women in the Bible who are called Hail, who are described as this are the Proverbs 31 woman and Ruth. Mm-hmm. Ruth is Boaz calls her a woman of excellence and uses the same word. There's the only two women in the Bible. So Ruth is David's great grandmother. I knew my great grandmother. I was, she lived the first few years of my life. And so if 
Solomon is writing this, if he is, you know, he would have heard direct stories from David about Ruth or Bathsheba would have, may have known her or heard stories about Ruth. Let me tell you about the strong women I know in my family, right? And so, um, you know, there's, there's a good chance they very much knew Ruth or at least had heard um, great stories of Ruth and, and what a woman of excellence and a strength, woman of strength she is. Um, and a lot of the Jewish um, community believes that Proverbs 31 is actually a commentary of the book of Ruth. And when you know the Hebrew alphabet and know the words in Hebrew that are actually used, they are all over wow. the book of Ruth. They're, they're all in there. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. That's really cool because then that brings a connection back because the Bible is all about connecting in yep. patterns. Exactly. Yep. So it's, it's, and it just adds such a richness to scripture understanding you know, who the author is and why they may have written what they wrote, even thinking about who they were thinking about when they wrote it, you know, because of course it's Holy Spirit inspired, but, but they're also human. So the Lord draws on our own experiences. You know, you and I are both authors and the Lord draws on our experiences when we write, he brings things to mind. And I'm sure he did that with every writer of our Bible. I learned something from you about Esther and I thought that was pretty interesting. So share what you know about Esther. So a couple of layers, Um, everybody, the first thing, when you take an Esther Bible study, the first thing they say is this is such a great book, but the name of God's not even in it. Well, it is, (laughs) it is. Um, It's in there as an acrostic poem. And so the word Yahweh Y-W-H-W, is um, an acrostic poem of of different verses in the book of Esther. And so his name is in there. Uh, The other very cool thing is, and here's how the patterns happen, and here's how the connections happen. Way back in Genesis, you know, we hear the story of Joseph and how Judah came forward to save the younger brother, Benjamin, and all of that. Well, fast forward into future, and now Esther, who is of the tribe of Benjamin, is going to save the tribe of Judah. And when when you say the word Jews, there it's kind of a generic term now. We're using it, and back then it began as a generic term for the tribe of Judah. And so Esther, who was a Benjaminite, um, saves the Jews mm-hmm. who are Judah. Um, so you've got lots of layers and lots of references and, um, that's, that's part of it. Yes. It's very, very cool because we don't really realize that the Jews, it was kind of, it was actually a derogatory term when they would Mm -hmm. shorten the word Judah. So they were the tribe of Judah, which then leads to if, if Haman had had his way and destroyed the tribe of Judah, well, mm-hmm. where did Jesus? Jesus wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yes. So you can see through history how Satan has been working to prevent the Messiah yes. from being born. And he knew he knew what tribe exactly. he was going to come from because it's foretold. It, it's in prophecy. Exactly. So all he had to do mm-hmm. was kind of read along, read ahead, whatever. And, yeah. you know, yeah. and like, OK, let's go after the tribe of Judah. 
Exactly. And, and I read something interesting because in the book of John, of course, John starts with the genesis of Jesus and Mm -hmm. that he was there in the beginning and he Mm -hmm. was the word and he was the, um, the word made flesh. And when it talks about that, his own received him not, or his own basically rejected Mm -hmm. him. It's not talking about all of Israel. It's talking about his tribe because that's how they related to one another. Right. And that was a big deal what tribe yes. you were from. And that's why it's referenced. Like go, go read the new Testament. Almost all of them make some kind of reference to either their genealogy or their tribe. You've got, mm-hmm. you've got little nuggets. I mean, they're in there. They make references to who, who is who. That's right. It's just so interesting. It I is. think that um, it, like I said, I mean, I say this all the time because I can't help it, but it's just the it, the richness that you get from scripture. And it, does it change salvation? Does it change the gospel message? No. no, but it makes us realize that, hey, this is this is kind of an enjoyable book. Yeah. This isn't a boring just here's a bunch of old dead men who wrote words. Yeah. No, they were used by God in mighty ways. And there's like and there's like clues and, and I'm not talking in a um, weird magic exactly. way, but, but it, it was God planted. Yeah. It, it helps me understand, you know, we talk about the, the flesh and the spirit and it really helps me understand that spiritual aspect to the spiritual dimension of God, because the essence of God's word is what has transcended time it is what has transcended generations and people and you know and so when when we're we're reading through that and you see these little nuggets and you you see how it has survived right you know it's not just mm-hmm. a writing of man but there's there's power in here that has you know transcended uh, the basic understanding that's so neat. Let's talk about Jesus' name. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us who are Christians brought up in regular Gentile type of church, um, we call him Jesus. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, that's how I right. grew up. That's the only name nope. I ever knew him by. But but as I learned more about the right. Hebrew language, about the Jewishness of Jesus, I learned that his name was Yeshua. Mm-hmm. And I had a guest say, well, that's what his mother called him. And that's what I call him. Right. And, and it's true. I mean, why don't you unpack that a little bit? Well, like, where did Yeshua, because they also, the Hebrew language takes words that sound similar. And then they kind of, they have a play on words. They do that a lot in scripture. They do it all the time. So yeah, his, his mom and dad didn't call him Jesus. Um, his name is Yeshua, which we, our, our English relation is Joshua, which is interesting. Um, and it's actually the Hebrew word salvation. And, you know, I thought, I actually thought of this this morning. It was just so, I'm so excited you said this, you know, why does it matter? Does it matter if we call him Jesus or Yeshua? No, it doesn't. You know, we've, we've been invited to call him Jesus. But when you call him Yeshua and you know that word means salvation, boy, does it change your prayer life, right? You know, I'm praying, I'm praying for a daughter in the hospital. And Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, you know, Jesus heal her body, which is a great prayer. How about 
salvation. Will you please heal her body and be her savior, right? Or salvation, you know, and it's Yeshua and to say the holiness of his name to me, again, it's just that next level. And I, and I refer to him all over, I'm all over the map. You know, sometimes I'm just praying directly to God, the father, you know, Abba father. Then sometimes I'm praying to Yeshua and sometimes I'm just, yes, salvation, please. You know, and to me, I just would rather call him Yeshua than, um, you know, just a Latin translation that really doesn't have the same power and the same meaning. Uh, so that's why, that's why I use it all. I use it all. Mm-hmm. And what's so interesting is that if you read the new King James version, they use Yah a lot. Y A H. And that is kind of God's, um, you know, God's it's part of his name. And right. so it's just part of it, but it means God it's his right. name. But right. when you, when you actually look at the spelling, the proper spelling of Yeshua, it's Y-A-H. Mm-hmm. And it has the name of God in his right. name. Right. And, and we can go back. And the interesting thing I learned was when I had done this study, um, actually some research about the different names. God has his name in every author of the Bible, except for maybe people like Ruth and, and Luke had, was a Greek name. Mm-hmm. Esther, there's a few, but if you go through and look, you you have either E L, which is God, L, or Y A H. And so you have one of those names, one of those spellings in mm-hmm. every name of every author or prophet that is in the Bible. And it's That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. And so and so you can tell where, you know, and even back in Exodus when they're talking about the angel in, I think it's Exodus 24, God is saying, my Mm -hmm. angel will go before you. And he, his Mm -hmm. name, my, or I should say, my name is in him. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what it's about is, and it's just such a, a very beautiful thing, how it comes together. And, and of course in that, he really talking about the Messiah, we're talking about Yeshua because he's the one that ultimately has God's name in him. He is, he's the name above all names. Right. And so, and some people are uncomfortable with that, that they're uncomfortable with using the name Yeshua or even, even having others use it can be a source of difficulty or just being uncomfortable with it. So I think it's just understanding it. Yeah. I know as a, as an author, I had to really make the decision, you know, am I going to use the name Yeshua in my book or Jesus in my book? And um, I ultimately chose Jesus, but only because, you know, my target audience probably doesn't call him Yeshua. And I didn't want that Mm -hmm. to be an issue. So it's Jesus Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm okay with that. um, You know, but behind the scenes, I'm, it's, yes, it's Yeshua all over the place. <laughs> right. And I understand because when I wrote my book, uh, I used Yeshua because this was about the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And so this was a letter written to Jewish right. people, Messianic probably. And so I used the name Yeshua because this is how they would have referred to him. And, and it's mm-hmm. so much about the Jewish roots and going back to, right. um, to Genesis and to Exodus. And there's so much in there in 
the book of Hebrews about right. Jesus. And so, and yeah, and so it's, it's not wrong to call him either name, but I think that we just have to be understanding of if somebody chooses to right. call him Yeshua, there's nothing wrong with that. We're talking about the same redeemer, the same savior of the world, the same Messiah. When you talked about salvation, um, that's such a great point that you brought up in, in calling him salvation, because we tend to think of salvation as just for our souls, for our hearts, but it's for the whole body. It's, it's, it also encompasses a complete healing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a healing that goes just yeah. not just stops at the heart or the spirit, but goes to the soul and the body. And it, it's, it's such a deep meaning of that word that transcends more than just saving us from hell, you know, basically a guarantee yeah. that we're going to go to heaven. No, it's God wants it to does. heal our emotional state. He yeah. wants to heal our memories. He wants to yeah. heal our pain, physical and, and mental, even emotional pain. I think that, you know, when we, when we accept that salvation, our transformation begins, you know, we call it sanctification and our mind is changing everything. However, you know, there's a time where we will be in the presence of God in, you know, new bodies and new, we are new creations. And so it starts at the point of accepting Christ as salvation. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, everything is, he, he, he is the word of creation. And so when we pray Yeshua, salvation over our hearts, mind, soul, body, the transformation begins. Mm, that's he's good. Still, and he's still creator, right? He's he is. And he creates us anew in his image. That's right. And that's a process. We, yeah. it's a whole process. Yeah. And this is interesting because when I go back and look at my own life, and of course, mm-hmm. God's not finished with me yet, as we say, right. um, when I look, he started with my spirit. He started Mm -hmm. by, by removing my sin Mm -hmm. and started me off in the word and, Mm -hmm. and and learning my gifts in a sense, because suddenly I'm, I'm a researcher. I used to do cancer research and things like that. But then when I became just, I loved reading the word, Mm -hmm. then I started researching. And so the Lord used what he put in me to now apply to his word. So I start researching names i start researching words the 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 greek the the hebrew you know word studies all that but then like once i got rooted there and my Mm -hmm. spirit became alive in him then it was almost like the next phase was emotional healing Mm -hmm. so then he started taking me to who do i need to forgive and who has hurt me and healing me from that pain and those memories and and then it's like, and then once I started maturing in that area, then it was like, he started working on me physically. And it was so interesting to me because I see the pattern very specific, mm-hmm. but it never dawned on me until I read this book. And the author was talking about how he starts a lot of times he'll start in our spirit. Then he mm-hmm. moves to our soul or our emotional mm-hmm. well-being. Mm-hmm. Then he moves to our physical well-being mm-hmm. and and I saw that in my own life. And I don't know if you've experienced anything like that. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, I, I can absolutely see that pattern. And I, and I would take it the next step further. You, 
you know, when you, it's almost a joke, you know, when you're in Sunday school and they joke about and talk about being on missions and everyone's in the room is like, oh God, please don't send me to, the, you know, please don't send me to Africa or whatever, you know, to that mission field. But as you mature as a Christian, it's the next phase really is God, your will be done. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you right. really begin to shift in this is all temporary and God, I just want to serve you. I just, I want your will to be done in my life. Dig it out. You know, if there's anything else holding me back, um, it just becomes a complete and utter complete total surrender. And it's a beautiful thing. That's such a good, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It is. And it's so true though. It's very, very true because, and it, when we get to that place of surrender, like, like anybody you can read about in the Bible, yeah. They they had to get to a place of surrender before yeah. God could totally use them. And I, yeah. I think sometimes I was actually thinking and praying on this this morning. That must, this must be why, because <laughs> we have watered down Christianity so much mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's no longer about growing in every aspect, you know, in, right. in spirit, emotional and physical and, and even surrender. Those are there's a very, very yeah. uh, clear path that, that God, and even I should say, Jesus took his yeah. disciples on. If you look at it, you can see this path. And, mm-hmm. and I think that he wants the same for you and I, and everyone who, who follows him, it's about abiding in him and he will abide in us. Or, you know, when we abide in with him, he abides with us. Right. And it's about this relationship it's not just about well i go to church or um i teach sunday school or i do this because there are sunday school teachers that shouldn't be teaching in some churches because where they are spiritually and emotionally you know is is not in a good place and so but it's also about giving god permission to do that i think that comes with surrender so here's the nugget Um, that little verse is tucked in a whole passage that Jesus talks about being the vine and Mm -hmm. vines don't just grow wild. You know, a vineyard is not allowed to just go crazy and grow wild. Um, the vine keeper prunes, cuts back, Mm -hmm. (laughs) hacks off. And so Mm -hmm. if, if we are truly abiding with Christ and we, we are tapped into the vine, then we have to accept the pruning of the vine and where things are, have to be trimmed away and cut off. And if we are going to be fruitful and if the church and the body of Christ is going to produce the ripest and best fruit, we have to surrender mm-hmm. to the vine keeper. And that includes cutting things away. Yeah, that's a perfect point because when one of the things I learned in researching that was only a pruned vine makes fruit. It's going yeah. to produce. And so you yeah. don't get, you yeah. don't get fruit on these wild vines that just yeah. keep going crazy. That right. is so cool because we don't think about yeah. that when we hear, um, I don't know yeah. if it was a parable, but he talked about it as, you know, he was, he's the vine and we are the branches. And, and also yeah. one of the cool things, again, when you relate that the word prune comes from the word cleanse. It's, it's about a cleansing in our bodies and it's a cleansing of our souls and our spirit. And then I go back to Matthew where you have the Beatitudes and it's the pure in heart will shall see God. Well, that word pure Mm -hmm. is the exact same word Mm -hmm. as 
prune. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's the same word. And so then you have, well, what is the pure in heart? It's the cleansed heart. It's the clean heart that sees God. Okay. Here's another layer. Here's another, I'm thinking my brain is going to pruning, right? And what do they use to prune? They use a little dagger or a knife or sharp. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's the letter Zion and what transforms Mm -hmm. our heart, the word of God, we transform, do not conform. um, And we allow the word of God to transform and cut. It's sharper than a two edged sword. So there's so much. That's right. There's so many layers. And it's so cool. And that's why I love talking to you because we kind of feed off each other. And it's like, yeah. if I come up with something, then you're like, oh, I can it do that too. Can... It's good. Yeah. And uh, I so appreciate it. I think God knew what he was doing. Yes. It's so fun. But, and this is why we're complete nerds to everybody else who has to sit and listen to this because this is what we do when we get together. And then other people are just like, oh my goodness, there's another table I can go to. But but um, it's fun. Most people are like, oh, I learned so le- so much oh, at yeah. lunch. <laughs> so, but thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you, and I appreciate all this you. that you bring when you talk about the Word of God. And I I appreciate that. It's a cool thing. God God never ceases to amaze, and that's a good thing too. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and recommend it to your friends and family. And don't forget to check out my Bible study, Jewels of Hebrews. That's all for today. See you next time.